This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Landon. With me today, Monica Heltz, the Public Health Director for the City of Fishers, and honored once again to have the Mayor of Fishers, Scott Fadness, with us as well. So, lady and gentlemen, thanks so much for carving out time in your busy schedules to uh, talk with me. Uh, I'm going to start with Monica, and I'm going to let the Mayor uh, pitch in on this first. Monica, when you and I talk, unfortunately, we started talking during the height of COVID and other health emergencies. And so when we start the podcast, it's usually bad news. That's not the case today. We're not going to start with that because what we're going to start with is some funding that has come from the Indiana General Assembly for local health departments. It's the Health First Indiana program, which is a two-year program. This is the first year of it. The state has made a decision on this this, uh, first year of funding, and your department will be receiving just over $1 million from this fund. So I guess uh, the first big question for you is – how does your department uh, plan to spend this money? Uh, well, Larry, we are very excited to have this funding available. Um, it offers us a lot of opportunities to improve health um, for residents of Fishers. Um, we did submit our budget through the regular uh, budgetary process with city council. So it was approved with um, with the city with the annual budget um, through city council a couple of months ago. Um, but the summary of it is that we plan to fund a couple of positions that will be important um, as we move forward. One, to support schools um, and the students in the schools. One, to support um, finance and and billing so that we can offer more services um, that are clinical. Uh, Another uh, position that we're supporting is a culture of health ambassador um, position Um, to really uh, bring some life to quality of health improvements that impact health um, for residents. Um, And then another position for um, a health inspector um, so that we can uh, get to all the the establishments on the recommended schedule um, that the FDA has put out. Uh, And then we have a grant program that we'll be administering for local community organizations uh, and um, We're going to be improving our communications with residents. So we're really looking forward to what a lot of these things will offer and how they might impact our residents' health. And you know, Mayor, you've spent time with the General Assembly. You know what it takes to get anything enacted, particularly when there's the spending and money involved. And uh, this, I think, really started with some study committees that looked at local health departments all throughout the state. And uh, and uh, there was some question how much uh, our Fisher's department would get. So the news of, of the million dollars in the first year has certainly got to be good news for you. Yeah, I mean, there was no guarantee to, uh, that we were going to receive funding. So we had to fight, frankly, for the funding. But then I think to put things in context, you know, the state recognized that they were, uh, relatively speaking, compared to per capita funding for public health around their peers, they were much lower than what they should be. So one could make the assumption if we're that much lower, we need to add funding. But then the question is, well, what does that funding go towards? I think you can put it into two categories for us. One is um, ensuring that we're doing the basics that everyone would assume public health does and, and have the resources to accomplish that. And I think a lot of what Monica mentioned earlier about the supplemental staffing is to ensure that we can meet the needs of what most people would traditionally view as public health. I think what's so exciting from my perspective 
And I think Monica shares this as well. And as we've gotten to know each other and work together over the last however many years it's been now, how many years? Three and a half. Three and a half years. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, there was a there was a two part question that I had in my mind about public health. One was, could we provide a, a really strong level of service to our residents in a time of crisis? which I think Monica and her team answered uh, affirmatively that we can. But then the second question is, is can we provide a new model for public health uh, for our residents going forward? And that's really what we've been spending our time on and scratching our heads and going, okay, what does that look like? And there's no, there's no playbook that says this is exactly how you should do it. Every community is different. Every population that is served for public health is different. The good news from a timing perspective is that as we're trying to answer that question, these new resources are becoming available for us to be able to apply towards that. So it's really it's an exciting yet frustrating time in, in public health because we're kind of searching around trying to, to find what is the right roadmap moving forward. And that's not because we're doing anything wrong. In fact, we're trying to do something better. And that just, it takes time and, and we're going to fail and we're going to succeed at different things and we're going to learn along the way. But that's kind of, in my opinion, contextually, that's where we are right now is trying to figure out those questions. Well, speaking of that, I think it's good to look at the history because uh, at the time that COVID hit, I remember talking to you and, and your concern was, there wasn't, in your view, a really good plan to deal with that medical emergency of COVID. And that's when you and your legal staff and the rest of your staff investigated this. And you are one of just a handful of cities with their own health department. I mean, people talk about Indianapolis. Well, Indianapolis and Marion County are essentially the same anyway. Yeah. Uh, so here it is, Is I think there are two, only two or three other cities in the state, which are not really much like us, who have their own health departments. So I want you to go back for just a moment and explain uh, to the audience why you decided three and a half years ago to create your own city health department. Well, I, I mean, I guess I'd repeat the what I said a minute ago to some extent. I got obsessed with the notion that we could provide a higher level of service with an integrated model at the local level. And so um, I believe that that could happen in an emergency, and I believe I could it could happen on the preventative side. So unfortunately, given the circumstances, we had to deal with the emergency first. Um, and the integration of having Monica as part of our team can't be under uh, or oversold. I mean, the ability to have police, fire, public works, everybody headed in the same direction trying to deal with that emergent issue uh, allowed us to do incredible things. I mean, we vaccinated, I don't know, over 100,000 people. We tested over 100,000 people. We did more vaccinations than just about any other health department in the state of Indiana with a very small staff. Um, so... In the emergent situation, I, I think we, we were able to do that. But it was always a two-part thing for me. It was never just that because I think it would be odd to create a department for one small window of time. But rather now it's um, – we're still having those conversations. I mean Monica and I meet with the police chief and fire chief to figure out and hone new models for whether we're talking about uh, mental health, community paramedicine, social work. Monica leads a variety of teams to try to be um, thoughtful around uh, issues in mental health where we want to swim upstream and be preventative. So um, it was fantastic that we answered the first question affirmatively that we could provide a higher level of service. 
and we're in the depths of answering the second one. And I think the indications are that the proof of concept does make sense. Um, we still have more work to do, and I'll always be pushing the envelope. I'm always, you know, an agitator in that regard. But, um, but I think with Monica's leadership and the team that she's assembling, we're going to figure out what those level, what those services are that the residents truly need, and and we're going to provide them at, a, at, at an excellent level. And uh, there's things already happening that are just in the trenches that people wouldn't know about. Like, for some reason, we become a mecca for tuber- tuberculosis testing. I have no idea why. Monica probably has some insights into why that is, but we're, we're helping people. And then just the other day, Monica and I received an email uh, from our public works director, and he was there to get his flu shot or vaccine or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know. But he was in the clinic in the waiting room, and he talked about a family who he, he believed had just recently come to a, the United States, and they needed some from help from our public health department. And he was, uh, he was so moved by the way that Monica and her staff treated these individuals uh, that he felt compelled to send an email to Monica complimenting her staff on just what was clearly a, a, a group of people who were scared and uncertain about what it is they were supposed to be doing or how they were supposed to go about doing it. Um, Monica and her team put them at ease and really put them in a different frame of mind. So there's all these things happening that people don't see every day, but there are indications to me that we're on to something and, and uh, we can really provide a higher level of service. Well, I know that at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, uh, when your department was created, Monica, we uh, had that place where you can be tested right there at what's called the city services building, the old police department uh, building that still stands there next to where new city halls being uh, constructed. And I, I remember that the people lined up all the way around the block waiting to get in. I had appointments, but you still had to wait to get in. So it was obviously something people took advantage of. And I have to remember the, when you had that, that old Marsh uh, uh, grocery store, you converted into a, a vaccination center. When I went to get my vaccination some time ago, the, the person that gave me the vaccination was Elliot Hulcran's mom. <laughs> Uh, Elliot Hulcran, the deputy mayor for for the city of Fishers, uh, deputy for for Scott Fadness, and she was a nurse, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> she, she heavily qualified. It was she they didn't pull her off the street. You know, she was she was clearly held very very. She heavily. gave me one of mine too. She did. Oh, so she, she did a great uh, job. Yeah, but but I, I mean, people have to remember there were a lot of people wanting to get those shots, you know, and and uh, to get those vaccinations and. But all these people in and was were able to sort through that, get the, uh, get get the uh, all, all of the uh, all that sorted through, so people could get their appointments to get in. And I got in and out pretty efficiently, considering how many people were waiting to get that done. So uh, we don't think about that today. And I'm going to talk about where COVID is today now and where how we got there. But at that time, uh, your department was right in the middle of all that. Yeah, we were definitely in the middle of it, and we were still building the health department. So we were still continuing to build out all the rest of the services that we had to have as a health department. But I kind of want to go back to the importance and the vision that Mayor Fadness had to create the city health department because it's not something that's an option anymore in the state that fell uh, fell away as an option with the new legislation. It's called the Scott Fadness rule. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, coming from... You know, having worked in other health departments, the ability to integrate and to be at the table and to be swimming in the same direction with all these other city departments can't be overstated, really, because, you know, when we're leading these mental health teams and I have the director of planning and zoning, the direct director of engineering and the director of public works sitting together. 
and the director of the parks department, you know, we can we can say, okay, here's some things that all of our goals align on, and here's some easy things that we can do, and will improve health for the resident of Fishers. To make that happen in any other setting is almost unheard of, especially from a public health standpoint. You know, just getting those folks at the table is very, very difficult, much less to say, okay, we're all aligned on this on this goal. And, you know, by a s- small tweaks that we can make um, and how we're approaching things, you know, we can really make an impact on health. Now, that impact is so far upstream, you're not going to necessarily think about it as health, um, which is where health departments have traditionally been. We measure success by the things that we do that you don't know about. Now, since COVID, I think we've uh, kind of all realized that, you know, we, we still have to tell people about some of the successes that we make. But our goal is always to be upstream and to prevent things before they happen, which makes it very difficult to measure success. Well, I think that one thing that struck me, Monica, is that when you go to the staff directory on the city website, you don't have a large staff. And uh, what you're doing is exactly what the mayor and you have just described. You're bringing in other departments to help you out when help is needed. And you say that doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah, not just when help is needed urgently, which mm-hmm. certainly the city, every department in the city pitched in uh, during COVID uh, in a variety of different formats, but just on the day-to-day, just to say we're here to support each other and move the larger goals forward instead of our own smaller departmental goals. You know, you get you can get too siloed um, in some thinking, so the... The integration and the constant pushing in the same direction towards the same mission is really, um, I mean, it's only going to benefit residents. And it's really fascinating, Larry, to watch from where I sit. I mean, culturally, these uh, industries or bodies of work, they they have entirely different vocabularies. They have entirely different frames of mind. So, like, what's been really interesting, difficult, challenging, but important work is you know, Monica and her team speak an entirely different language than, say, the police department. You know, the police department is, what do you want? Why are you here? You know, we got to respond. We're going to take care of an emergency. They, they're reactionary by their nature, right? Public health is preventative by their nature, and it's, it's just a different frame of mind. So some of the real work that's being done right now, honestly, is like figuring out how how do how do those different cultures and different um, – individuals and personalities, how do they work together towards those common goals? And so a lot of it is like really, I mean, believe it or not, it's like blocking and tackling and going, did everyone hear the same thing? And are we, are we all headed in the same direction? Like that's the real work that alignment requires is just having those discussions. And um, that's been interesting and fun for me to watch from my spot is to see like, okay, well, how's public health and police and fire? How are they all going to figure this out. And we are all trying to figure it out as we go. And I think we're making real progress, but that work isn't being done everywhere. I think to Monica's point, that just doesn't happen. So people just go do their own thing and they never get alignment. Before I leave the Scott Fadness rule, I want to ask this because I remember when you created the health department, uh, as a reporter, lots of people talked to me and and you took a lot of political heat. Yeah. (laughs) When you created this department, there are a lot of people in this local area who didn't like this. And I have to say that that you were focused uh, on getting it done. And uh, you basically shut out the criticism and just did what you thought needed to be done. I always felt that was important. Otherwise, I don't think you would have been able to accomplish this. Yeah. No, well, look, I mean, I didn't care about the political heat. I just was obsessed about 
uh, a different model and providing the services. That was that was it to me. So it didn't. I mean, it wasn't fun. And to be honest with me, I took heat initially with the public health department, but Monica took a beating for the next six to twelve months as she was trying to do nothing more than help people in her capacity. I mean, the vitriolic you know, spew that we got on social media and people calling her and her staff. I mean, it was unbelievable. You can beat me up all you want. I signed up for this and I'm a, you know, I'm a public official and I made that directional decision. But the way people treated our public health department uh, staff is just unbelievable. And it's, it's kind of a, and I worry about this, to be honest with you, is it's a peek into societal issues, right? And, you know, if we were to have to have another pandemic, you know, anytime in the near future, I mean, I, I, I don't genuinely know how our um, society would hold up in that situation. It's a really scary um, process because, I mean, Monica and I have saw it. I mean, and it's when people are scared and angry and upset, it is. It's really ugly. <laughs> no, we. So this was a national issue. It oh wasn't just something no, you saw here. No, I mean, absolutely. this happened all throughout the nation. So, Monica, you survived all that. Well, I had a benefit that a lot of other public health departments didn't have, and that was I had political support mm-hmm. because, as you know, Mayor Fadness had just created this health department. But, um, but I, I mean, public health has had a mass exodus in leadership because of the pandemic and because, you know, health leaders were getting death threats and their children were being threatened at school. And, you know, the amount of horrible things that have happened <laughs> to public health leaders, you know, as a result of people's fear um, has really decimated the structure nationally. Well, let me talk about the funding once again before we leave that because uh, – uh, state budgets are done on what they call a biennium, which simply means they do a two-year budget. So we're in the first year of that two-year budget. The budget year begins uh, – is it a calendar year or is no, it July? July? So it starts July 1 of each year. And so you're in that first year. But you do have funding set for the second year as well. Tell us about that. So the the budget year on the state budget does begin in July, but the approach, appropriation for public health begins January 1. So it's set back six months Um from what the typical state budget year is. So we haven't actually received any money yet. <laughs> um, but as per the conditions in the, the budget that was approved this um, to start this um, past year, uh, the Fisher's Health Department gets about a million dollars the first year, and then the second year, it's about $2 million. So most health departments are getting half, half the amount the first year and then the full amount the second year. And the hope is that that full amount, what I would say is the $2 million for the city of Fishers, um, would con- then continue with each budget renewal every two years. And, and Mayor, how confident are you, having spent some time uh, with yeah. the General Assembly, do you think this will be an ongoing funding uh, sort of thing as we see in other uh, yeah. situations? What, what's your view on that? I hope so. I think we have to temper expectations because, as we talked about, this is a preventative program, and so it's just going to take a while to see the fruits of our labor. But I think that's somewhat the burden on local health departments, too, is to really use these dollars wisely and demonstrate real value back to their constituents because that helps the feedback loop, right? If people start to say, well, hey, I I really depend upon the service and this was great, when their legislators hear that, then, you know, they, they think about it when they're, when they're budgeting. But, uh, you know, going back to this whole uh, kind of distrust or anxiety or angst about public health, 
one of the things that I learned, and I, I think Monica would agree with this, um, the turning point for us in um, COVID and where our public health department went from suspicions, suspicions and anxiety and fear was when we provided testing and vaccinations on a mass level with ease to our residents. Like when they needed something practical and that would meant a lot to them, when we could provide that with a great deal of ease is when the credibility switch kind of flipped. And now all of a sudden people are like, hey, Fisher's Paul. I mean, I was hearing it from everybody. Like they even called, I had people who were like, I brought my mother-in-law down from wherever so that, cause I knew it would be easy for her to get the vaccination here. That, that was a lesson learned for me. And what I've been trying to search for now is our solidifying our public health department in our community as a, an institution that you can trust and rely upon and, and feel good about is dependent upon us identifying those things that people need, those services and providing them efficiently and effectively. And so, you know, like Monica was telling me the other day, a lot of people in Fishers, they travel around the world. And a lot of times you need vaccines for whatever country you're going to, or you may even just need advice on what vaccines you should get if you're going to a particular country. Well, that's a service that we can provide. And so it's meeting people at that level, that pragmatic, like, okay, I need something, they can give it to me or get it to me easier. That allows us to build a relationship. So when the hard times come, and they will, and they do, when the hard times come, we have a credibility, as Chief Arusa likes to say, credibility savings and loan is high, mm-hmm. and we can take a withdrawal if we have to. So that's the kind of work that I'm excited about the public health department and these new resources is let's identify those things and let's provide those. And then pretty soon people will view public health in a very different light. One thing I always appreciate, Monica, was that your staff uh, gave a weekly update when COVID was a problem and just how widespread was it. You measured it. You made weekly reports on it. And I tried to follow that as well. And it was uh, the people read it extensively on my blog. It was a popular uh, time. And and other people used it as well. You put it out yourself where people could get it uh, just, just straight from you. So uh, I, I think uh, even today, I mean, uh, when I look at your reports you give to the city council every month, uh, you're basically saying COVID was, is, is now kind of settled down. People have been vaccinated. People are, are uh, this is not the public health emergency. It's still around, but it's, it's not the emergency it once was. Yeah, I mean, it's now what we would call endemic. So it's on the level with flu. We're tracking now flu, COVID, and RSV rates. Um, And, you know, it's just going to be another seasonal uh, infection that we have to watch for. And that people need to be aware of, you know, and hopefully they'll come out with a universal vaccine at some point that you'll only need to get once. But right now it's on, on par with the flu vaccine. So are people getting the flu vaccine or what numbers have you seen on that? Um, We're definitely, our clinic has been quite full. We've added a number of different slots um, so that people can get the new COVID vaccine, the new flu vaccine, and then the brand new RSV vaccine, which is recommended for um, adults 60 and older, particularly with any kind of health conditions. So uh, at this point, uh, what are the health professionals saying as far as a forecast for the flu season? I mean, some years are better than others, and sometimes the forecasts are on money, and sometimes they're not. What are, what are the professionals saying overall? 
You mean on protection with the vaccine? In terms or of what, how bad they think the flu might be in this particular flu season. You know what? I, I can't even begin to guess. It's okay. always a guess. Um, I will say that the rates are up right now, um, you know, and they, they've been steadily climbing for all three infections. And we kind of... In, expect that on some level um, because people were holed up for a couple of years. They weren't exposed at the normal level that they would be. So the ability to, to catch a strain that you might have caught two years ago kind of compounds. And, and so you're a little bit more at risk for all three. Um, so we're going to continue to have a slightly more elevated rate for a couple of years, and then it'll probably okay. um, probably we'll find some normal unless there's some other major world event, which let's hope not. <laughs> well, yeah, when we were wearing masks and separating, we had less flu, which <laughs> was right. kind of a byproduct of right. that. But now it's, it's changed. I'm going to ask you a question, Monica, and I want the mayor to weigh in on this as well. We have the placards up in the restaurants, the grades, A, B, C, and so forth. Uh, how has this worked out? What kind of feedback have you received now that that program has been implemented with at least the brick and mortar restaurants? Yeah, the feedback we've we've received is largely positive. I think residents really love knowing where the cleanliness of a restaurant stands and that they're practicing safe food practices. And most of our, our facilities and fishers are at an A grade. And you can go online and read the reports. We even have a, a map that you can look up uh wherever, you know, wherever you want to dine at. Uh, of course, some of our establishments that received a C um, or even a B may wish uh, for uh, for an improvement on their next score. And hopefully they're working towards that. We usually or we always provide a lot of education on how to get to that next level and opportunities to do that. Um, and um, but we haven't had a large number of complaints from operators from the restaurant facilities. We haven't had any complaints from residents. Um, they seem to really appreciate knowing where where their favorite restaurants are standing on that score. So, Mayor, obviously, you've heard probably from the public and from the restaurant owners and managers. Um, how are how are they reacting to this? I think it's been popular, to be honest with you. I think residents appreciate it. And we were just having this discussion the other day, Monica and I and some others. You know, any time you implement a regulation or public policy, the goal is not to, quote, unquote, get someone. It's to ensure transparency and to encourage process improvement. And I think if you look at that metric, one, transparency, I think, is very much there because people now can understand what they're what they're walking into. But two, I mean, anecdotally, I've seen and heard from Monica and our inspection team that people genuinely want to improve and they're trying to improve. And so if we're making progress towards that end, then I think then I think the policy has been a success. And that's um, in almost exclusively because of the inspection team uh, that we have. I think they're terrific at what they do. It's a lot of work. We got a lot of restaurants. I mean, we have a really kind of a growing culinary scene here. But, I mean, we don't get a lot of complaints about their approach to inspection. I mean, they go in there and their goal is to have everybody be an A, not to go write citations. I mean, that's, that's a bad day for our inspectors. They don't want to do that. It really is more about coaching and education and ensuring that everyone can achieve kind of their best or optimal um, cleanliness and best practices. So Dan, our guy who's been doing this forever, very passionate about it, and the entire team, Tim, the whole the whole crowd is really – they've done great work. Well, I think there have been some 
some cases I've heard about them where you've had to close a restaurant down. But when you close it down, just maybe close for a day, you go over with them what they need to do, and they're open and the next day, and they eventually get their grades raised up. So I, I think what I want you to talk about is it's not, and Mayor talked about this and used to some extent. You're not trying to close restaurants down. You want to part of it is to let people know what with the A, B, or C grade. But the second thing is, if a restaurant needs help to, as to how they're doing the process, you're there to help get that process done the right way. Yeah, our goal isn't to hurt anyone's business. Our goal is to just make sure that all the businesses are able to thrive uh, because they're offering safe food choices, right? So we don't want, and they don't want their patrons to get sick after eating there because they were storing their meats improperly or not checking temperatures or cross-contaminating or something like that. Um, so that's why we do inspections is to protect food safety. Um, and, you know, the operators understand that too. They they don't want to be making people sick. But, you know, frankly, a lot of uh, our facilities are short-staffed, so it's difficult for them to meet all the objectives. And sometimes they, uh, frankly, just need that day to stop everything, do a deep clean, and get back to business. And sometimes that's all that's needed. Sometimes there are repairs that are needed, and they have to get someone in to repair some equipment that was important. Um, so anytime we find critical violations, you know, we have to close the we have to close the facility. Um, so so that's why we do that. We don't want to come upon a place and, and find them, you know, exposing our residents to conditions that could make them quite well, ill. And we don't talk so. about this a lot. I mean, the grading system is a proactive um, inspection component, but we're also complaint driven. So, you know, this is something I learned as we got into public health. You know, I had someone call me early on in the early days of a public health department. Like, I saw, I saw a rodent run across the kitchen floor of a restaurant. You know, what are you going to do about it? Um, so there are, I mean, we do get complaints from residents who have observed things and have to go, have to go remedy that or inspect that. So, yes, we're, we're being proactive so that we can prevent as much of that as possible from happening. But there's also the, hey, I've, our, my, whole, my whole family got sick because we were at a restaurant. We think it might have been the restaurant. Well, by our inspection team going out there, we can actually, to some degree, figure out, well, maybe that is true or maybe – it's not true. So maybe you prevent a family from going out on Facebook and saying, this restaurant poisoned me, which is bad for business, right? So mm -hmm. we can help kind of clarify mm -hmm. some of those things as well. You talked about staffing in general. What about your own staff? I know that uh, you know it's, it's tough to find health professionals in this day and age. Are you able to staff your own department? Um, so we have one position open right now, um, and um, certainly the nursing shortage impacts everyone. Um, you know, the hospitals have really been struggling with that, and that um, it is com compounded in public health because it's not a field that um, a lot of nurses are exposed to um, and that they know is an option, um, unfortunately. So it's not always the first place they look, although... If they did look, they would find that this is the best place to be as a nurse. And as a nurse myself, I can say that with some confidence. Um, the other positions, I think, are um, a little bit easier to, to fill at this point um, because uh, there are a lot of uh, folks coming out of public health schools. We also draw and benefit from people coming from a variety of different industries. So the vast majority of our team have not been uh, through a traditional public health path, right? But the skill set that you need for public health is pretty diverse. And so the more um, 
the more variety of experiences we can get that someone has had, the more that's going to benefit benefit us totally. Um, for example, we have um, one of our staff people sold homes for uh, one of the home builders and fishers. So her knowledge of the neighborhoods, her knowledge of, I mean, she sold homes to half of the residents of Fishers. You know, she's a resident of Fishers. So, so her knowledge of the community is really critical for us as a team to say, okay, like she knows how to sell our services basically. So she, she's in charge of outreach, uh, you know, and she knows all of the key players in the community because she's been part of the community and she's been integrated and she knows so many people. Well, I think Larry, um, not to brag on Monica here for a second, but as we talk about educational experience backgrounds, you know, we when we hired Monica in the early days of COVID, we didn't get a lot of time to like introduce her to the community. It was basically, <laughs> let's go solve this. But people should know we're pretty blessed to have uh, someone in her role as a public, because in Indiana and a lot of public health directors, Nothing against them, but a lot of them come through the um, environmental health side of it. So a lot of like inspection-based stuff. Monica's background is not um, that, but maybe you could share, Monica, your education and then um, kind of what you did before you got here. Because, I mean, it is pretty impressive um, who we have at the helm doing this. So, so you know, I think because I value the the wide scope of experience that benefits us moving health forward, you know, I've tried to kind of gather that experience myself and I came this way through a bit of a roundabout path but I find that every component has has led me to some insight that really helps in building this Um, not to brag too much but um, I have two bachelor's degrees two master's degrees and a doctorate In a couple spent your of time, different your entire fields. life in school is what yes, you I have spent my life in school, um, but um, all but all but one of those I was going to school and working. Well, you know, I think every job I've ever had has taught me something about the job I had later. So I think right. uh, having a, a, ver- a diverse kind of a background is great. Our time's up. We've really spent, uh, it doesn't seem like it's been a, well, a half hour, but it's actually been more than that. So I'm going to ask each of you, uh, Mayor, just anything you'd like to say in closing. Just I'm excited and invigorated to figure out kind of what the next proof of concept for public health is. And I think we're very much in the midst of that conversation and look forward to providing kind of new and innovative services to the residents. Monica, same question. Yeah, and we welcome feedback. So if you're a resident and you really have a great idea or want to you know, participate in the process, we'll be reaching out for uh, more input and feedback, but you can certainly reach out to the health department anytime. And one last thing, I know every department is looking for volunteers. Are there volunteer opportunities in your department? There are usually volunteer opportunities in our department. I will say the vast majority of them are during the summer. We'd love to have volunteers to help us um, do health education activities at the, at the farmer's market where we like to interact with our residents on a regular basis. I see you every time I'm at the farmer's market. Monica Helch, you just heard her, public health director for the city of Fishers, uh, Mayor Scott Fadness. Thanks to both of you for being with me today. Thank you. Thanks, Larry.